Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where jiu-jitsu practitioners open their minds to new ideas and concepts about personal development, entrepreneurship, jiu-jitsu, and life. Our mission is to inspire, impact, and or improve your life in some way to support you during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 140. Today we have for the second time Thomas Rodzinski, third degree black belt head instructor at the Royal Academy of Jiu-Jitsu in Orland Parks, Illinois, and the co-host of the Royal Radio podcast. I was a guest there on episodes 36 and recently episode 142. So before I talk about the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to a few academies I visited in the past month, teaching fundraising seminars for Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, Zapatero Jiu-Jitsu in Honolulu in Hawaii, Action and Reaction Jiu-Jitsu in Richmond, Virginia, and Atlas Grappling in Las Vegas, Nevada. We raised a little over $4,000 to keep inspiring, impacting, and improving lives in impoverished communities, utilizing Jiu-Jitsu as a personal and social development tool. If you want to organize a fundraiser, don't hesitate to get in touch with me at gustavo at jujitsutribe.org or on Instagram at Gustavo Dantas BJJ. Back to episode 140. Thomas began his journey in 2000 under the tutelage of the late Grandmaster Carson Gracie Sr. in Chicago. Beyond his very technical skills, Professor Thomas is also known for his commitment to promoting the jiu-jitsu lifestyle and helping others to develop their own skills and abilities. Through his leadership at the Royal Academy of Jiu-Jitsu and his active presence on social media, he continues to inspire and guide practitioners of all levels, from beginners to seasoned competitors. In this episode, we discuss common questions from his second podcast, Ask a Black Belt, a show dedicated to answering the listener's questions in about five minutes. I hope you enjoy the podcast right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Us. Do you believe that Jiu-Jitsu has the power to change lives and make the world a better place? Unfortunately, millions worldwide don't have access to Jiu-Jitsu because they are unaware of its existence or cannot afford it. That is where the Adopt-A-Social Project program comes in. This program created by the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects worldwide that offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes in their at-risk communities. These projects inspire, impact, and improve lives by utilizing Jiu-Jitsu as a personal and social development tool. Anyone can support this program with a 12-month commitment. Whether you own a Jiu-Jitsu academy, association, business, or individual, you can help make a difference. Join us in supporting the Adopt-A-Social Project program and help us bring the power of Jiu-Jitsu to those who need it most. Visit our website to learn more about how you get involved. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, inspiring, impacting, and improving lives, one tribe at a time. Thomas, welcome to the podcast. Gustavo, thanks for having me here. Awesome, dude. We recently record, recorded another interview, my second interview with the Roll Radio, and now your second one here for the hardcore listeners. You might have listened to Thomas on episode 114. It was two years ago. And in two years, a lot of things can change and evolve. If you want to learn more about 
his background definitely suggests to go back. We're not going to repeat everything. But Thomas started very blessed. We talk about this, how uh, blessed you were to have the opportunity to train at Carson Grace Sr., which is, you know, very few people, like literally, uh, had the opportunity to do that, especially when he got in Chicago. What year did he get in Chicago? And then what year did you start with him? Um, I started around the year 2000. He arrived, I think, a couple of years before that. Maybe in 96? So, yeah, right? something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, so the academy was already established uh, when I got there, you know, and, and it was a few years later, um, you know. So we've had him, we had him for a few years before, unfortunately, he passed on. But what a what a irreplaceable memories and what a what a great environment that it was back then, you know. And and it, it's kind of eye opening. Like we talk about two years ago, we we talked on on this podcast, but like twenty years ago, twenty plus years ago, you know, like it, I had the opportunity to be there, and it, and it feels like it was yesterday. So hmm. um, time flies. Yes, and for people who are listening, we're recording this in April two thousand twenty three. And Robert Drysdale is releasing a book soon about him. Yeah. Right? So he did the, uh, what's the name? Open the Close Guard. Is that the name? Yeah. The name yeah. Of the movie? yeah. Open and Close Guard. The book. Think, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And actually, I'm almost done with that. I haven't finished yet, but it's a. Uh, it's, it's a good book. A, yeah, it's different. It's a different take. Mm -hmm. I have, you know, like I'm almost, I'm almost done, and I like it. It's a different approach, and yeah. put a twist on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. You know, and how history has been told. Of course, people will defend sides and, and we're not. But I love the idea of, yeah, let's listen to other people. Let's see what they have to say. You know, so he did an incredible job. And he's a personal friend, too. And, man, I can't imagine the amount of work that is to narrow down to try to do a documentary with that. I feel more like. Because, of course, there's the cost of it. But, like, it would be nice one of those, like, doc series with, like, six to ten episodes. You know what I mean? Because I feel like one is mm -hmm. like, dude, there's so much. You know what I mean? Yeah, and we've had him on, on my podcast um, a, a while back when he talked about the book, the first book. And and I do believe he said it would took him over two years of travel just talking to people yeah. and, and documenting all of this and really getting the information. And then... You start producing all of this, putting it together and all that. So, I mean, can you imagine like traveling and just talking to some of these guys? And um, I think at the time when we did record this a couple of years ago with him, he already said that I think two of the originals passed on, passed away. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like, um, you know, individuals like ourselves, like you and myself, we have this unique opportunity to document some of these stories through technology through these podcasts through these conversations and you know robert drysdale is doing this you know through the books you know, and but thanks to you know guys like that it, the, the history gets documented right because next generation like our kids might not have the opportunity to learn some of this firsthand you know it, it's 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 so so mind-blowing in a way yeah, and his book is about to be released i saw something maybe in like in 10 days or so yeah. uh, and i told him about coming to the podcast again to talk about this new project and it's i'm actually having him at, at my academy this weekend so oh, he's nice. he's flying in for a seminar with the books so i'm i'm stoked about this so it's gonna be yeah, fun so uh for people who don't know it's 
as far as I know, it's more a uh, tribute to Carson Gracie, right? Mm -hmm. As yeah, far as so, I know, yeah. Yeah. So, and I trained in Brazil in the early 90s, like in the like 80s and up to like mid 90s. Yeah. Carson Gracie team like really dominated the scene in Rio. Uh, he definitely changed the competition scenario. Um, super heavily focused on competition, especially like from the transition, the 80s, 90s, and then as the jiu-jitsu boom in Rio, early 90s, such to have more academies and so forth, but they used to dominate like all the main divisions. They they dominate. So really cool. I'm, I'm definitely uh, super interested to uh, always appreciate it. Of course, my coach is a black belt under him. And definitely appreciate the work, and I can't wait to uh, get your information. So, a um, few things for us to catch up uh, since this two years. So, we've been doing the podcast. How's the podcast going so far? The Road Radio. Oh, it's doing phenomenal. I mean, it it, it you know we 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 started this podcast as a, almost as a fluke, as a as a keep ourselves busy during the pandemic. And that's literally what it was. It's just, you know, it, we go into all these challenges and then there was the idea, well, let's talk to some people, let's do something, let's stay busy. And now we converted into, you know, nearly 150 guests, you know, um, and, and, and talking to different individuals from different sides of the world and different generations about just jujitsu history essentially right it, it's the stories really that one make the show so um and oftentimes we learn that what we see these black belts or these coral belts or these individuals who are members of dirty dozen you know these original guys they go through the same struggles as we do and it is almost mind-blowing to have that connection it's like I, he is struggling with the same things as i do so maybe I can figure this out too. Maybe I shouldn't give up. Maybe I should continue this. Maybe I should troubleshoot. Maybe I should take these little tips here and there to just better myself as a person, better my jiu-jitsu and just continue enjoying this beautiful life. What are some, of course, is many, but any any of the interviews that kind of stand out a little bit or come when you think about a podcast, like some of the names come in, there was like, man, there was a, a great interview. Maybe get to know someone more or the story. What do you think? Well, definitely there's few and it's hard to pinpoint one yeah, yeah <laughs> like it's, sure. it's really hard but there are a few that really stand out like recently we've had um an opportunity to talk to a couple of the members of dirty dozen we talked to david mayer and, and we talked to john will um these are the original guys literally like the the the, the first american black belts and it's it's almost mind-blowing to see their story how coincidental it is how Everything happened unintentionally, and yet they end up doing jujitsu, and they end up not only changing the way how they think about life, but also embracing it. And if you think about it very fundamentally, those are the guys who painted the path. They they mm -hmm. created a path for us, like they are the generations before us. Like you know, for for the guys especially who um, started here in the United States, I don't know if jiu-jitsu would be here if it wasn't for them like we don't know what would happen right so in some ways it's very refreshing to to hear stories like this and and um you know see how everything took place and then unfolded and this evolution of the sport over the last 
you know, three or four decades, you know, as, as is unfolding right now and it's changing rapidly, you know, and then again, you have, we had opportunity to talk to, um, <laughs> excuse me, some, some brilliant minds like Henry Atkins. I mean, you know, dipping into his brain and, and see how he analyzes jujitsu, like, it, it, you know, just phenomenal, phenomenal conversation. And that's just, you know, just mentioning hands of them, you know, handful of them, but there, there, there were so many great guys that we had the opportunity to, to, to chat with and, 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 and just even share and, and listen to some of the mind blowing stories. Yeah. And it's interesting that sometimes, you know, I have a lot, a bunch of interviews to you and a lot of powerful ones, but sometimes I even forget, you know, how the listener, you know, mm-hmm. connect with it, a specific guest. And then sometimes out of the blue, receive a message like, Hey man, that interview actually did help me. You know, I thought mm-hmm. about this sometimes something that they said and for us we're like oh it's okay yeah no normal conversation whatever mm-hmm. but maybe hits a specific person in a way and that right there it's really like that episode is really worth it to even be created you know what i mean just the fact of like how some of the some of the messages that sometimes go through uh and not not just with the interviews with content some of the things that that i have received before it kind of like Wow. To the point of people saying, like, I have never shared this with anybody, not even to my wife. Or, mm-hmm. and, then, and I'm like, wow, you know, the person doesn't even know me, but feel that connection uh, because of, the, you know, the content's being created because of the interview. So how is that for you? You know, people reaching out the same thing. You know, here's a good story. And this happened, uh, I think, a month ago, month and a half ago. But two years ago, we recorded a st- uh, an episode with Travis Stevens. That was one of our first um, I think th- 30, savage, man. oh my goodness. Right. And, and I mean, just the fact that he's a medalist, Olympic medalist and, yeah. and all that. But if you listen to the story of his training and the desire to perform, mm-hmm. it is mind blowing. So going back about two months ago or a month and a half ago, I get this message from a gentleman who says, I'm going through life struggles. I have a difficult time. I love jujitsu, but I don't think I can do it. And he says, I stumble upon your, your podcast. And first, I don't even want to listen to it. And then I start scrolling through the episodes. And for some reason, he says, I click on Travis Stevens. And I listen to the whole story. And then I think about it. If that guy could do that, I can show up twice a week and figure this out and not give up on this huge passion that I have. And he simply sent the message, listen, I just appreciate Beautiful. what you do. And it is, it's mind-blowing in a sense of a simple conversation can literally change the trajectory of somebody's life or their thoughts. And, and, and Gary and I, my co-host, we, we often talk about this. Like, this is why we do this. It, it's not about really anything else, but making that impact, documenting these stories and allowing others to have this opportunity to to share the thoughts and really kind of with the hope that maybe this will help somebody out there for sure and another project that you have is the ask a black belt podcast Mm -hmm. a series of short clips from five to seven minutes depend and people send you questions right and we talk about it so i want to go over some of the questions because i feel there will be very helpful not, I'm not saying to all of them, to everyone who's listening, but maybe 
again, if we're lucky to get one that it's connects directly with someone, it'd be awesome. And one is actually related to what we just said, you know, of someone that listen hasn't been training and most likely, most likely, if someone's listening, if you're listening to this right now, either you train or have trained, you have some jujitsu connection, some type, mm -hmm. most likely. You might run into fans, but it's rare to find a fan that never trained at all. You know, mm -hmm. it could be someone like, hey, I trained 20 years ago, but they still love it and I follow, you know, it's all, it's mm -hmm. all good. But you have experienced jujitsu. So one of the questions is, how do I get back to training? So this can be a complex uh, question, depending on the mm -hmm. you know the the context that we go, because it could be injuries related. It could be busy, and don't get me wrong, man. Yeah, people get hit of life. You've been teaching for a long time. I've been living to. I not even know how many thousands of people I've seen, and not just us, but the structures. Thousands of people come and go, and many times. Sometimes uh, people do get hit with life that, yes, I I don't have the time or whatever. I get it. But many times people just stop because they're frustrated and they blame on being busy. And they're mm -hmm. like, dude, I've been coming here. I don't get it. You know, and I've been busy anyway. So I'm going to say And the worst is because sometimes someone try and be like, dude, I don't like it. It's not for me. It's all good. Mm -hmm. No problem. But now. If you do want to train, you like the sport, but you're kind of losing that internal battle, you know? So how do we get back to training? So we can use any approach you want. Yeah, I think when I think about that topic, I, I typically split it into categories, two categories. One is that getting hurt category, which is typically out of our control that this is where we are unable to train, whether mentally, physically, there is an obstacle that we cannot control. And the second pillar is the other things, the rest of it, the, factor, the factors that we can control, right? And this is the, what I think the interesting part of the conversation comes in, because oftentimes we think we cannot control things, but we do control them, right? So like time often comes up as a, as a reasoning for someone to stop training, right? And if, you, if we think about it, in my mind at least, we have the same amount of time. It is what it is. Jiu-Jitsu is not the sh most important part in our lives. Short of you running a Jiu-Jitsu academy or being an instructor, doing a full-time job as an instructor, it's probably not your highest priority. So there should be other things that are more important. However, if Jiu-Jitsu is a priority to you, then we make time for it. The, there's a whole thought of, I don't have time. It, it's It's always very questionable to me because I don't know what that means. I don't have time. Does that mean it's not important to you? And I think oftentimes we get into this vortex of excuses where we say it is important to me, but well, if there is a, but then is it really important to you? Like th that's how I look at this, right? Because like, if I, if I want to read a book, I find time to read book. And there's a consequence behind it. That means I have to give up maybe a TV time. Maybe I need to give up something else that I was doing. Maybe I have to put my project aside because I need time to read the book because the book is a priority. So I do have time. It's just I have to manage it accordingly, right? And again, there are other things in life who sh that should be more important than jujitsu: like your life, your, your, your family, your professional life, your career, 
you know, many other projects that are taking place around your life. So there's, there shouldn't be a reason why we can't manage these things. Oftentimes we fall into this vortex. I call it vortex of excuses where we find reasons why we cannot train, but they are not really truly the reasons. There is just layers covering that true reason. And oftentimes it's getting into bad habits or replacing jiu-jitsu with other activities, whether that's watching TV or going for a hike or maybe running or taking on other sports, all that takes the time that we would normally devote to jiu-jitsu. And that is what is difficult. Now, when we talk about injuries, this is much, much different because now we have full desire to train. We have time to train, but we are unable to train. And that is by far harder, in my opinion, than actually finding the priorities in our life. Because no matter what we do, we can't. And at the moment, when we stop training and stop becoming what you were mentioning, being a fan, being connected to our academy, being connected to our peers, to our instructors, to our students, we slowly start replacing the time that we used to train with something else. And the moment that takes place, it is very difficult to come back from it because now we are no longer engaged. Now we are shifting to the other pillar when we're finding the reasons not to train. So all of this is sourcing in my mind much earlier than the fact of I want to come back. I think we all have desire to come back. The question is, are we structuring this correctly in order for us to be successful with the return? And the moment we make the decision to return, I think that's where the hardest part comes in. When we actually get back on the mat, so we get back into the class, we get in, back, back into the drilling sessions. Because oftentimes we put ourselves mentally in a position where we were when we left. And our bodies and our minds are not at that point. Mm -hmm. There's a certain amount of time that has passed and perhaps our body has you know has softened up a little bit. We are off time. Maybe maybe perhaps we 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 are you know fell behind shape and that's fine. You know maybe mentally we're not even prepared, but yet we want to do the same things as we did before. And unfortunately, I've seen it over and over and over when we have students returning after a, even a short period of break, and you know they they, they there's a point of struggle where they cannot perform the same way. And in reality, they shouldn't be performing the same way because they had a break. Mm -hmm. And their expectations are as high as they did before. And this is where the failure comes in. I mean, literally the bridge collapses instantly. And the whole mental explosion takes place. I can't perform this. This is not working. I, I, I am not good at this. We start, you know, pushing ourselves down and, excuse me, and, it, at that point is that almost an exit route. And for any instructor who's been on the mat for, for a while and they've seen these things, we can almost predict who will get through mm -hmm. this and who doesn't. So anytime I witness this with any of my students, I often say, listen, we need to, we need to take some time to talk about this before you step on the mat. Like I see your desire to get back, but we need to be smart about this because I want you to actually get back and continue, not get back and leave. And structuring um, this return, quote unquote, 
in a, a logical way where your body can respond to it correctly is so important. Start slow. It's not how many times you train, but how you train. Perhaps going into open training sessions the first day is not the smartest thing. Maybe going into a physical drilling class, maybe it's not the best thing. Start with a fundamentals class. Matter of the fact, start with a class where you're sitting on a side and just watching. Start with a class when you engage in a trio and you are just mentally engaging into this whole thing. And I know how frustrating this is. Um, sitting on the sidelines and not being able to get involved because we love something. But I do believe that if we take a very gradual approach to the quote unquote return, our investment gets turned back to us in, in, in 10 X versus us feeling overwhelmed and ultimately feeling very crappy about ourselves. And then, you know, the end result is not really what we are seeking. So often resulting in, in people leaving. How many times have you heard, I'm going to start running to get in shape before I go back to jiu-jitsu oh, or start lifting and then get in shape to get back in jiu-jitsu? It's not and how many how times. How effective is that? <laughs> it's not how many times. How many times a week? <laughs> it's, it's, there's this phrase that I heard a while back is, I've never heard, I've never met anybody who got in shape and started jiu-jitsu Yet mm -hmm. I've met thousands who started jiu-jitsu and got in shape. And I don't know who said this, but it's stuck in my mind because it's so true. So true. Just get on the mat. Just and what start. is what is getting shape? Because you can bring someone that runs a marathon. Incredible. <laughs> Good for you. You're going to struggle in jiu-jitsu. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I've seen this. I actually had this conversation a couple of weeks ago with one of my students. We've had a bodybuilder. Um, trying a class and we great had, shape uh, great shape no question yeah. about it we, we had a triathlete a, a, a iron man a, a person who does ironmans all the time trying a class and it, it is almost amazing mind-blowing in a sense to watch somebody who's such a top physical shape but they are struggling physically to perform some of the jiu-jitsu activities yeah, and it's absolutely. not that they are not in shape they just first of all don't know how to move mm -hmm. in, in jiu-jitsu environment too they are moving muscles that they've never moved before and that is physically challenging them so it is i, I that, that's a great comment is what is what does it really mean to be in shape you know yeah especially jiu-jitsu it's so unique like you said uh muscles and techniques so when you don't know what to do you're going to be trying to headlock everyone you know what i mean and squeezing everything you can and grabbing for you know death grip and everything so it's about a minute you know yeah that is over you yeah. know so one of, one of my students um he's a blue belt now um but he was a power lifter so you can imagine he's in a very strong gentleman and <laughs> he's very fit and it's interesting because first i believe six months or so of his training was i kept telling him just relax don't push why why and it's like i'm not doing it oh yes you are <laughs> you're not seeing it but you, yeah. you are doing you very you're not bench pressing anybody just relax just chill and <laughs> the, the transformation that he's gone through it, it's almost mind-blowing so yeah yeah a lot of the my fundamentals we have at uh, gd academy we have fundamentals intermediate and advanced class so the fundamentals there's no rolling but we do put some specific at the end like mm -hmm. okay start from side to mount once try to mount the other one get back and i say like if for this whole time you just stay in 
arms in, breathing, feeling uncomfortable, not freaking out. That's a massive win. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Just kind of like just just cruise. But, you know, if you can find a way to get back, awesome. And I always show like, don't try it. I show them like, don't try to spaz around and showing all the stuff. As soon as I like to stop, 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 like <laughs> breathe, relax. Yeah. And I, I mentioned yesterday in class to you and like, hey, when you see the instructors telling you like, hey, you're slowing down. That's a good thing. It's like, am I slowing down? Is it bad? Like, no, it's slowing down. It's actually a good thing. You're thinking more. You're picking your shots. Like, you just can't go, you know, wild, you know, this whole time. Your form is going to blow up. You're going to be exhausted. And mm -hmm. and a lot of people, of course, it's not a natural thing for you to get cross-faced. And then, and I mean, like, oh, this doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? So just from cross-face, people can freak out and get off me. You know, so I'm like, hey, try to find that spot and then kind of like hold it there. I remember a big takeaway that I got interviewing a uh, Cumprido, mm -hmm. Cumprido. So, uh, so funny. That was, I think it was in Portuguese one. But he's saying like every, even training when he was getting smashed or in tournament, he's about to tap and and he'd be like, just two more seconds. You know what I mean? He'd always be like telling himself, <laughs> just two more seconds. I'm like, I'm yeah. about to, and then keep taking it. No, I'm almost out. I'm out. Yeah. Even if you're not, like I'm almost out. Just build it. Yeah. I might say like, hang in there. Just hang in there just a little bit. It's all, it's almost done. You know, even if it's not, you try to build that hope that, you know, it's possible for me mm -hmm. to get out and reverse the situation. So now, so like, so like in my mind, I always, I've been kind of exploring this question is why are we so physical, even though everybody around us tells us not to be? So, like, imagine somebody in the first six months or whatever, just they're just starting that journey, survival right? and, mode. Oh, absolutely, right. But, but why, why, why we are unable? Like, get deeper into this. Why we are unable? Not only like they listen to instructor. They say, okay, okay, I'm not gonna push. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna chill. I'm just gonna be here. They acknowledge that, and then time goes. And they push. Well, why are you pushing? I wasn't pushing. Okay, I'm gonna let me try one more time. And no matter how many times they try, their brain makes the decision to be physically in a survival mode versus making decisions with with some intelligence, if you will. You know what I mean? Some 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 smart decisions for themselves. It's almost mind blowing, in my opinion, that as humans, we are unable to even make a decision like that in a situation of high stress. Yeah, and I feel that I always mention this, repeat this every day in class too, that Jiu Jitsu is about pattern recognition. So you're yes. gonna have to go through some patterns and be like, mm -hmm. yeah, I guess every time I push and I go like nuts here, nothing really happens. Sometimes I get lucky. Like sometimes I someone got out of balance and I bench press out of me and I, and I got out. I'm not saying this is impossible, but odds are against you. You know what I mean? Most of the time, this is not going to work. You know, so I think just when they start to realize, you know, uh, uh, okay, yes, I think this is not working. Uh, something else that I noticed a big transition between white and blue, like a beginner blue belt. And I mentioned is like the ability to like let go. Let go meaning like 
this position is not there anymore. Like you're trying to get an arm bar, the elbow's not even there. The guy already took the elbow and then he keep holding. Now the person still coming around, they still holding the arm. They're like, I'm gonna get the arm, but now they're in a side mount. They're like, how do I get out of here? You know? So yeah. understanding like the pattern recognition, like, oh, every time the elbow clears here, that means I need to do something else mm -hmm. because this is gone. Sometimes you can yeah. insist, readjust, whatever. But this is just one example. That takes time, yeah. trial and error. Yeah, another good example of 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 that decision making process is with guard passing. So if you, I often encounter the questions, how do I escape from side control? And if, you, if you look, if you I look at it, one. yeah, if you look fundamentally, is you don't have to escape from side control if you retain the guard, right? Mm -hmm. Like the whole concept of escaping side control doesn't exist even, right? But yet, oftentimes we resist the guard so much that we get stuck in side control. Versus recognizing the fact that I'm losing this position. And now let's recompose. Mm -hmm. Let's use the dynamic of passing to my own advantage now. So you don't pass my guard, but yet we we so stuck and we so hold down to it for dear life. Our quads burn, they're on fire, and we don't let them pass. And then yet somehow we end up inside. So it is isn't jujitsu mind-blowing? Like it, it is so fascinating opinion from mechanical perspective how we have to find these correlations between decision making and the physical attributes that we all have and that each of our brains work differently plus we have different physical attributes all between all of us and that combination you know creates almost in infinite opportunities between every single person and that's when a lot of the like jujitsu life analogies, they come in, you know, and this is one of them. Like, uh, this, this is like my most fun, uh, one of the most fun questions to answer is like, I'm always stuck in a side mount. What should I do? It's like, well, number one, don't get there. But eventually people will get there. You're going to train. It happens, you know, that's fine. But I can show you, everyone needs to learn how to get back to the guard. And sometimes you could be doing everything proper, but someone's in a dominant position and they are addressing everything you do. You might get stuck in there and you may not get out of there and you might, might end up getting submitted. You know what I mean? Yep. So prevention, understanding the source of the issue. So you get inside about why did, are you getting double leg and then people are landing on your side? Are you getting swept and people landing on the side? Are you playing the guard and they're on your side? There'll be different scenarios. How are you getting there? But it's like... I can show you, we can drill over and over, get it back to the guard, but I'm just putting a, like a Band-Aid in a wound that I'm expecting to mm -hmm. stop the bleeding and it's not going to really help you here. And I've many times, because since I talk a lot about this with my students, I don't, they all get some questions from the beginners, but sometimes I go or out of state or done, I don't do a lot of private classes. Sometimes when I, when I travel, I do some, and then someone say like, hey, I'm all, uh, I need to work from the turtle because I always get there. I'm like, so you don't want to be there, right? Yeah. Okay, we can work on some option, but like why you're getting there? You know uh -huh. what I mean? Where is the situation presenting itself? Or I need to work on my half guard because people get there like, well, I can show you, but do you want to be there? If you don't, let's work. What's going on here? What's the framing? Mm -hmm. What's the what's the structure? Because why people are getting it. So for the listeners, if you have like, you always have like brand new people listening to. Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like being more mindful of the source of the issue. You know, and that's anything in life. 
everything that happened, like, hey, why this actually happened? Let's because sometimes, like, oh, I got submitted from the back. How do you get out of the back? Maybe go back three minutes earlier to see what transition caused the snowball effect that eventually you end up getting caught. You know what I mean? And that's what's hard, I think, about jujitsu is the complexity and 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 truly finding that source, right? Because oftentimes we just like you mentioning right now is like you know I want to escape from side control. I want to I want to work on my half guard. You know I don't want to be there. I need to escape it. But you know that's not truly the source of the problem. Right, identify the problem first. Where's the true point where we need to focus on? And then we can start solving the problem. Otherwise, we're solving different problems, but we're not solving mm-hmm. what you asked about. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it is. And I think oftentimes, especially at the beginning of us training, is there's this point of distraction. There is this like this this golden nugget, you know, oh, I saw this. Oh, what about this? What about that? That the lack of focus is so fundamental to our success, or I should say, you know, it's countering our success, but finding what is really important is, is, is critical. It's critical. It's super important what you mentioned because about the, the lack of focus, uh, I come from a time and you, when you started, I'm even more, uh, of the lack of technology that your main source or not the main, your only source of learning is in class. You know what I mean? In a time that there's no instructional, there's no apps, there's no this and that. It's you learn in class or you're in a tournament of like, oh, my God, did you see that guy's move? And that's about it. You know, in Brazil it was big like that. So the Internet came to yeah, huge revolution in the world. People with like who would you imagine in small little countries like let's say not for example. Places there's don't have a tradition of of jujitsu, and then you find internet and people dedicated. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. like to learn and study, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, some people can do amazing things just with like breaking down. Got some good brains around. Some already have, like for example, in Norway. You know, we have Jose Carlos, actually a friend of mine, went to Norway many many years ago. Not many people there either. Not and you have like. To some world like Aspen, Tommy. I mean, those guys are incredible, incredible. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's amazing to see it. Internet technology got to, of course, get got a long, um, long part on that. So I think sometimes you know people just getting too caught up in like I saw this move on Instagram and I want to mm-hmm. try this inverted spinning backflip pass or something. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's it's interesting when you look at the evolution that has taken place the last 20 or 30 years, because, I mean, I remember, you know, being a white belt and we had one or two books, like for those who are listening right now, like Google did not exist or it wasn't as as, as prominent, yeah. like BJJ fanatics, forget about all this, like hmm. DV, DVDs didn't exist, it was VHS, if anything. And that was just starting. Right. And like, I remember sitting at the academy with a book. And looking at the pictures and you have, you know, six pictures per page, maybe, and you're going from one to two to three, and then you're scratching your head. How did he get from two to three? This doesn't make any sense. And you're trying to figure this out, you know, versus today, you pick up your phone and you can find, you know, arguably anything. For the best guys in the planet showing uh, their stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. 
right? But at the same time, what price are we paying for this convenience? This is the mm-hmm. distraction that I often talk about to my students, at least. It's like, are you, are you getting sidetracked with this inverted, rolling, triple spinning, you know, backtake? Or should you focus or should we focus on something by far less complicated, something that has worked, will work, perhaps is boring, but is effective. So and not to take away from the, you know, fancy and flashy mm-hmm. and entertaining things because they work too. But the, when the question comes, which one you should learn first as a part of fundamentals, that is a million dollar question because you can spend three times more time working on the complex things versus working on the by far more, you know, let's call it old school because typically that's what's referred to, but not always, right? But you know what I mean? We have these entertaining, flashy techniques and we have, you know, some of these more basic techniques. And oftentimes it's not which one is better, but which one you can execute better. And that is a big difference. The technique does not work on its own. Technique is only as good as the one who performs it. And that's the million dollar question here, right? Are you able to master this? subset of this one individual thing of the system in such a way where your opponent is unable to answer and that's where ultimately the success comes in in a competition from a competition perspective right sure i want to get back to uh we still we started with how do i back get back to training right so mm-hmm. talk about this you know um and now i'm i'm thinking um Another issue that is a priority issue too. I don't know if you had an answer, uh, if you had anyone uh, having a question with that, but it's it is it's kind of like a touchy, not touchy, but like I want to train, but I cannot afford it. Mm-hmm. So this is a uh, like a a famous one too. I was talking with like I, I was have talks with diff- different people that. For example, whatever the the people have live in different areas. Let's say it costs two hundred dollars to train. But oh my god, two hundred dollars! Okay, it's fifty dollars a week. So when you look into where do you spend the money, and don't get me wrong, I know that some people are struggling. Mm-hmm. I I get it, but that is part of the prioritizing too with the budget, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if you really really want to train. So did anyone ask you this on a podcast? No. I, I don't think I had I, I don't I don't think I had that specific question, but but that question comes out often, you know, and 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 I think there's a lot of layers to all of this. So mm-hmm. let's let's first address the simple fact that there are some people who won't be able to afford it. It's just mm-hmm. it is what it is. There's the same reason why some people are unable to afford a car or some unable people are not able to go to restaurants every weekend, whatever the, the expenses are, right? So that's one layer. And, and we do have to be respectable of those individuals. Mm-hmm. And if you do find yourself in that spot, I encourage you to go and talk to the office, go and talk to the instructors, go talk to the owners. Maybe there are other ways of figuring this out. A lot of academies are very welcoming and willing to work. Now, at the same time, by willing to work in quotes here, it doesn't mean that you get free training. It does not mean that you just get freebies because ultimately the instructor needs to get paid and the instructor needs to feed his family. So it's it's a very fine line between those two. But if we remove this for a second, the, 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 this, this true I cannot afford, 
I oftentimes look at or encourage students to look at the value that you are getting for what you are paying. This is not much different than you going to Starbucks or you going to other coffee shops that charges 99 cents. Okay. Like th th there is a price difference because you're getting something in return. And in many academies, that's the case. Some academies will have 5,000 square foot mats, nicely lit, beautiful, clean multiple times a day. They have a you know, several showers inside, beautiful facilities. They have viewing areas, geek cleaning services. I don't know, a chauffeur who will bring you in front of the door and drop you off. There are other things presented within the package that you're being offered. Others academies, they will be very small place, very small mats, you know, and mm -hmm. the presentation is very different, you know? So what are you getting for what you get for you for what you're paying and that, i think that's a really important question absolutely big one you know <clears throat> there are some students who are more willing who are willing to pay more for having a specific environment and then there are still some students who are unwilling to pay the same price because they don't care about this they simply you know want to go train somewhere else and i think that's part of this beautiful dynamic within the different academies, if you will, different categories, you know, like there are some academies that will cater towards, you know, kind of a lower price point. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. And there are some academies who you will pay a lot of money. I know there are some kind of academies that you're paying three, four hundred dollars a month. Mm -hmm. and, and, and there's thousands of students who are there. You know, they, I know I personally know some academies who are they're not even clubs, but they are like private, private training facilities where you have to be a member and not everybody can sign up. You have to be approved. And there's only truly like 70 students or 50 students in there. And they pay enormous amount of money because it's one-on-one -on -one sessions. So mm -hmm. it, again, what you are paying often reflects on what you're getting in return. And not every academy will be the same. And not every academy will fit you. Not every academy will provide what you are looking for. So really finding a place that's one is going to, you're going to feel welcome, but two, that you will get service that you're paying for is so, so important. It goes beyond of what it was 20 years ago, where there's one academy in a whole city and you don't have choices today. There's 20, 30, 40 of them in every major, you know, U.S. towns and, and you, you can literally pick what you want. Yeah. Tell me about it. Here in Arizona, man, there's so many. Um, so one thing asking me, speaking as a business owner, school owner, and asking you and the listeners, we do have some school owners who are listening. I, I know that. And we have uh, just students or people getting back or whatever. So one of the things that, like, personally, we don't do at my academy People call and say, how much it costs? We're well, not trying to, I, I know that it's a common question. Maybe if I'm going to, a, uh, maybe I'm looking for a specific service, I might ask for the price too, depending mm -hmm. on what that is. I might ask you to understand. But from the exact reason you just said, my academy is going to be a little more expensive. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, sure, we have uh, 7,000 square foot. We have two 
two rooms, you have three showers, you know, all, all this mm -hmm. stuff, a lot of classes. Mm -hmm. And opposite of someone that, then I've been there, uh, like one man band, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. dude, you gotta, it, it's part of, you know, it's just happened that I kind of passed through that, that stage, but that's the one that you can't hire anyone, everything's on you, and it mm -hmm. is what it is. But as you start growing, you want to offer like a better service, you will have to charge more. You have to pay uh, mm -hmm. instructors, you mm -hmm. know, so everything goes goes on and on. So I'm not in favor. We don't share the price. Say like you come here, have the experience. We explain how our structure is. And if does and if someone like really, really just the price, the price, a big thing. So maybe I don't think you should have come here. Because you're gonna get crazy deals, awesome deals out there. So I think maybe if it price is your your point, because at the same time, as a business owner, okay, so all the students don't get butt hurt or whatever listening. Um, at the same time, you don't want to get a student that every the fifth or whatever you're paying, the car's coming back and I was a hassle. I call, doesn't call about, and he goes and then like, oh yeah, I'm trying this and that, you know. So like I said, if someone cannot afford 100 probably cannot afford 200 or, or whatever you know what i mean so how do you feel about that and it's not right or wrong answer about giving information about the price because of this reason yeah i think there's right now we are getting into more of a sales or now it's marketing business, or business, or business yes. right now we have yes. business this is nothing to yeah. do with jiu-jitsu academy in my exactly. opinion and, and before we even get to the answer i think this is where a lot of misunderstandings or a lot of the disconnect comes in because a lot of i do believe that a lot of people treat jiu-jitsu academies as not a real business mm -hmm. they, they they treat them as as, 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 as i don't know it's a hobby it's a hobby exactly when when and again there are some academies that run as hobbies they run as clubs and there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever but for those who do want to run as business as actual business have employees have full-time instructors and hiring these guys full-time i mean they work 40 hours a week at the facility you need to pay bills and you need to cut those checks you need to make sure that their families can eat so revenue has to be generated right so I think that's important to really acknowledge for those who listen from, from the understanding perspective that more professional academies will have more professional approach and they will treat it as a business. At the same time, those will provide more professional service. You know, there's going to be reliability on schedule. It, it, you have no idea how many times I hear a story. I was blah, blah, blah somewhere. I showed up for a noon class and the door is locked. There's nobody at the academy. And for me, as a business owner, that's a mind-blowing situation. I was like, how is this even possible? Where's the general manager? Where's the instructor? Where's everybody else? Like, how is it possible the academy is closed when you have a block of time on the schedule saying that we will be offering the service? Like, for me, it's very difficult to understand this, but apparently it does happen. So now when we call, talk about sales and all the other things, I think, you know, there's few, few, few avenues or few different suggestions that typically take place. Either I, what I've seen in the past, at least, either you share everything and let them decide whatever they want to mm -hmm. do, or you kind of very limited providing the value. And in my opinion, it's not necessarily what you share or what you don't share is creating the rapport with the client. So really understanding who are you? 
What are you mm-hmm. looking for? Really, what are you looking for? You know, are you somebody who just moved into the area or you are somebody who is well established because their financial, their financial situation might be very different, you know, and you use I, a script for that too, you know, absolutely. Sure. I mean, this yeah. is definitely established, but building the rapport, building the relationship before they even come in is so important, really understanding who, who is coming in like i know at my academy by the time you come in to visit us for very first class we already know who you are through the conversations we have a decent understanding what you're looking for it's not only the person in the office but the instructor on the mat they will come they will shake your hand they will really welcome you they create a relationship with you from a very first moment because we know that you will love jiu-jitsu but you need to trust us in what we do. And that trust can be built only one way. And that's by us connecting. If we cannot connect on a human level, you 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 will, one, not start, but two, you will not become a member. And, and you know, it. ultimately we are here to provide you that service that you are seeking because you called us. One of the things uh, you mentioned, I mentioned about like the, the hobby aspect, right? So this is for any business I learned many years ago. You want to treat your business like hobby, you will get paid like hobby you mm-hmm. know, when you treat like business. And yes, you get paid like uh, business. So I feel like, because in Brazil back in it is, <laughs> the truth is jujitsu is going through such a major like change in the United States because we basically inherit how jiu-jitsu was in brazil mm-hmm. people from from rio sao paulo whatever they came in it is how we do we, you know it's we just throw anyone on a mat it's war you know what i mean it, it's just like it's how people are gonna stay you know that kind of stuff so that was kind of that like a hook you up type of deal oh come mm-hmm. on you know can you do the the, the 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 club aspect so when you start getting to a more business approach. Some people don't like, even some people in jujitsu just like, oh man, you know, this is too corporate. Like, okay, um, you need to find a balance. You know what I mean? Maybe I'm not like so full, like boom, corporate. But at the same time, like I said, I got to pay our bills, you know? So mm-hmm. having that, I think the that's when the uh, like a huge value of the United States come in, the entrepreneur, like uh, entrepreneurship land, of like, oh no, we have a business, we got a plan, we got a structure, and in, in the United States, from the difference from Brazil, that I see like Americans, they want structure, you know what I mean? Of kind of like, how how is this here? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's especially coming from Rio, everything is like relaxed, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, ah, it's okay, it's all relaxed. So uh, going to this... Uh, kind of going to this kind of still business, but like, let's talk about open mats. Mm -hmm. So some people charge, some people don't charge, some people don't allow people to come from other schools. So this is what we're talking about, school owners, or soon as this is not right or wrong, we do whatever you want. So you got to understand, for instance, at my academy, we have open mat, and I say it's open mat for the members. If you have an out-of-state person, they want to come in, 
Yes, they pay. If I decide that for whatever reason, I like the person, I know the teacher, and I want to invite him for free, that's my choice. But we start from like, this is our um, Matt fee for um, non-affiliate students. This is, well, but the other one can train for free. Dude, go for free, you know, because... Open mats, usually, at least in my school, it's fairly busy. We already have a lot of people on a mat. And I just say, like, come, everyone. Come here. We clean the mats every each class. I don't know what people in other schools are doing. And the next thing, it takes one dude that trains in a nasty place to get a ringworm, staph infection, whatever goes around. It takes one dude. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? So people will have different approaches with I'm more of like a more professional approach. I'm not even that fan of open mat, to be honest. But anyway, it's something that, uh, you know, the people like. But we have this approach of like, it's not just open to everyone. Um, how do you see this open mat as a business owner? Yeah, it, it's a very gray area, right? Because as a business owner, one, you do have to acknowledge what people like and what people want. Right, that creates the traction, that creates the visibility, that creates the desire and providing the service that is needed, essentially, right? Filling the need. At the same time, in my opinion, the safety is number one concern for every Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Okay. And oftentimes we're like, yeah, yeah, we know that guy. You know, he's fine. You know, the problem with knowing the guy and he's fine is if something happens, one, he's not a member. If something happens to a member because of that guy, now the member is out. Then you have an opportunity for losing existing members. So like you got to ask yourself a question. Was this all worth it? And then you mentioned something that's even more global. Somebody coming in with skin infection that will affect more than one person. Now you're going to have three or four, five, seven, ten people impacted by the one individual. And the, what, what chemistry does that create within your members? Oh, we got this from the guy who visited. Why is he allowed here? I am paying for the service to be part of this, and yet this was impacted. So I, I, I don't think it's a so, so black and white answer here. I don't think mm -hmm. it's such a, it really all depends on the culture and the dynamic yeah, within the sure. academy. Sure. However, I will definitely say safety of my students, of my own clients is my highest priority. There's nothing more important to me. It doesn't matter how many, how many, how much money you want to pay me to come in for one open mat. If I don't feel that that's fitting, you're not coming in because my students are more important. You know, if this is what I'm investing in my, my time, my effort, the money that business is running is investing to, to give to these students, nobody else. And then, you know, if, if I look at this from a, Kind of, if I step back from this topic and look at this, is why would you come in one time only? What's the purpose behind that? Do you want to hang out? I mean, if you want to hang out, we can hang out, but we don't have to train. If you want to train, then probably you should be a member. Well, do you see what I'm saying? It's like yeah. these training sessions, the one timers, it, it, I have mixed feelings about this. In my school, but I don't know, different areas or whatever, in my school, it's more like, out-of-town visitors people go to work they you know yeah. what i mean and then yeah. you usually i don't i don't really we 
I barely have like in like in state or in town like there's a maybe could be from an affiliate you mm -hmm. know that's different you know but like as far as completely random usually no because some people just want to do completely random they want to they want to mm -hmm. hit free open mats you yeah. know what i mean uh, I agree. so so usually are um out of, I, out of town and i think also by having a simple conversation at least that's what my staff my office staff is trying to do is when their call comes like this comes in they learn a little bit more about that person i mean there is a possibility and it happens all the time when the person is truly a genuine person who's visiting town and they, they are here for for a couple of days or a week and they have their gi because they want to train and they are really passionate about this and by simple conversation where you're from who's your instructor you know and beauty of internet you can probably look up anybody these days so you can see what they post and how they post you can get a and i get it it's a perception that you're creating but that perception is probably going to give you a general direction what the mindset of that person is and when in doubt, I, we, at my academy, we say no, you know, and it just, it is what it is. Again, safety is more important to me than, than somebody coming in and, and, and hurting my own students. Now, I'm not going to say that we have never had visitors because we have, and, you know, but all that starts from, again, building that rapport, building, mm -hmm. building that relationship and really finding out who they really are. You know, I think there's also a difference. Somebody calling in a week ahead of time is like, hey, listen, I'm going to be in the area. Uh -huh. Would you mind? What is the rules? I don't want to be disrespectful. What is the what is the uniform? You know, how, what do I do to join you versus somebody showing up at the door is like, oh, I heard there's an open mic and I roll like these are two different dynamics, too, that often takes place. And I think I when my students travel for vacation and they ask me this, I always say before you even pack your suitcase call that academy just call them there's nothing wrong with placing a phone call and see what if they first of all if they accept you that's number one two you know if needed i'm happy to connect with the instructor and drop them a line and listen my one of especially if i know them i don't mind yeah. doing that but that's these are all kind of a line of a respectful business operations you know you, you're just being very transparent about this with such an intimate sport that we are dealing with do you uh, have you answered this question on your Ask a Black Belt podcast about like, hey, I'm about to visit. I want mm -hmm. to visit a gym out of state. What should I do? Have you talked about this before? Yeah. Yeah. I've done a few of them. I've done from from the visitor perspective and I've done one episode when somebody is visiting because that's another side of all of this. Right. Somebody is coming in to my academy and I see that fresh blood. Right. And and often we get like, let me prove myself. Let me test myself because there's a new blue belt and I'm a blue belt, too. Let me see who's better. Right. Like that, that's kind of a, a, in my opinion, a jerky situation, too, because what what kind of picture are you painting for the visitor who came into the academy? Your instructor trusted them to come and visit and you're putting a full beating on them. I mean, I remember when that was happening way back in the day when I was a blue belt or white belt. That was like, normal. That was not, that was normal. Like you couldn't yeah. hang, you shouldn't be here. Right. But, but that was the culture in Brazil that <laughs> exactly. was important. Yeah, exactly. Today it's different, right? Academies, most of Jiu-Jitsu academies are business oriented. Providing a quality service is extremely important. Safety is number one priority, at least for me. So, you know, I tell my students, if somebody comes in here and we did allow them, that means we trust them. I trust you to give them the best they can get. And their perception of us is dependent on you now. 
the way how what they take away from this day is purely based on how you roll with them. So destroying them on the first roll probably is not the route to go here. You know, this this is this is you know, and who knows? One day you might be going to their academy, and how, how do you think that's going to turn out? <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so one of the things that not necessarily just kind of blended into two things. Sometimes it could have maybe your own. Uh, instructor and then someone wants to have a um someone from out of town want to have a private class or just students so what it's your because i think you had one of the questions in your in your podcast about uh private class what was um our private class useful right yeah are they useful yeah so there so there's two approaches right there's one that you take classes and you complement with like a private class a week. And some people do only private classes. Um, mm -hmm. So what do you feel about both? Yeah. So before we even get into that, I, I like to think about it as there's few different ways how we can learn. Class is the, the most common one, the simplest one. That's what's being sold as a service, right? Then we have private lesson. Then we have a drilling class. That's a different way of learning. Then we have open mat. That's a very different way of learning. Then we have a seminar. That's a very different way of learning, right? And there's probably a handful other ones in between here, different online flavors. Online instruction, but yeah. Online, another online podcast listening. I mean, that's that that's ways of learning too, you know. So we have th these different mediums how we can tap into. In my mind, more of them you tap into more success you're going to have or more rapid results you're going to True. have. Okay. However, however, the reality is one, financially, we all don't have money to attend seminars every single month, or every two weeks, doing privates every single week. We might not have the, those resources and that time, maybe priorities are different and we simply don't have that availability in our schedule, right? So we have to pick and choose what is more important to us, right? And that will come on a personal development level. Right? So somebody who wants to redefine things, perhaps one-on-one -on -one or two-on-one -on -one sessions are very important and they're putting priorities on those. However, nothing will ever replace the class. That's how I look at it. You need to attend classes no matter what. If you do private lessons, I will teach you specific things, but your progression will not be as steep as being in a class, okay? You come to class two, three times a week, you know, at the minimum, and then you add private lesson on top of that, mm -hmm. gold. You come to classes two, three times a week, you do a seminar, gold. You do two, three times a week of classes, and then you watch instructionals online, gold. Now, you watch instructionals only and go to open mat, in my opinion, mm -hmm. that's not where the value will come in, right? And then second layer above all of this is truly understanding what are you getting away or what are you getting out of each of those different categories? So what are you getting out of open mat? Are you really experimenting? I don't know. I would question that. It's more of a midterm. War. <laughs> yeah. You, you you War testing, yeah you, you, you're testing your skills. Now, if you are in a drilling session, are you, are you doing the same war? No. You're refining, connecting dots. You're you smoothing things out because that's what drilling is. You're in a class. 
you're very likely learning and educating yourself. You are online, you're probably stimulating yourselves from a mind perspective and you're trying to understand concepts. You know, if you're watching video online and you're not drilling it, I, probably there are some people who can really take away from it, but most of us won't. We have to practice what we watched. So understanding how we can use each of them and what we get out of them and then combining the combination how we can benefit from it. This is where, where the maximum results will come in. And that will change depending on who you are and what your desires are in, in you know, on the mat in jiu-jitsu. I had some experiences before. I don't teach a lot of privates, right? Um, but like I've been here in the U.S. for 24 years. So probably was like, yeah, almost 24 years ago. So I lived in, in Vegas and at one point uh, I took over one of the students that used to do older uh, no well uh, he was probably yeah he was like close to 40 maybe high 30s and in good shape you know live so he was kind of like in good shape right but he only trained twice a week so i took over him so like oh no this guy he only does private classes like okay and so i trained i i taught him for close to two years so he started to like pick up the technique, everything. He was a little too like spazzish in a way of kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, grabbing also like let go, you know, that's the same deal. Um then of course I'm training with him. I let him you know attain certain positions, maybe a frame that I would have a slide so he closed the distance so he can do a move. You know, you know how it is like a control, mm -hmm. you giving giving some stuff. So, so I told him like, hey, uh, next, we started doing like some classes, like <clears throat> come in at the end of like one of the regular class. And I asked for one of the students to um, go with, you know, pick someone that mm -hmm. be like, could work well with him. But he gets so anxious that, I mean, he go in and then he's not used to someone give him give him a hundred percent like no you're not going to do this move i'm going mm -hmm. to stop you i'm working with him sure what i'm gonna do beat the shit out of him the whole time you know so yeah i have to give like you know give and i'll sweep him a little bit and get to the mound he does the mount scape he get out boom he sweeps me cool okay you know uh fine but it'd be like hey and this is i was already teaching in brazil but that was my first year in u.s and just still gaining experience as a uh brand new black belt but i was uh noticing I was like man every time he goes to someone gives him full resistance he is having a really hard time and every class was with that he would just like spend so much energy and he's like he couldn't really flow so i stayed there for two uh two years he made a lot of improvement before i moved to arizona i promoted his blue belt he was it was deserved but it's one of those if he had exactly what you said like dude just come twice a week Mm -hmm. everything there's no doubt he would have been an, another blue belt and also i had experienced that with the kids so when your kids do just private class dude and they don't get another kids just kind of spazzing on him for him to feel like mm -hmm. how's this kid like really headlocking him and squeezing and grabbing him you know they get lost mm -hmm. you know so the importance of un unless you're like specific situations i'm not a fan of a kid just doing private classes and be like just like i'll practice the move okay 
feel like if they ever need to use it with a kid this size giving full resistance, it's going to throw them off. You know what I mean? Yeah, so well, that comes again, the same thing you said about having twice a week and just go from there. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, jujitsu in big part is being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. If you're doing the private lesson with somebody for a very long time, unquestionably, you will learn things. However, yeah. are you really learning the uncomfortable part? Even if I smash you the same way over and over and over, the diversity of situation is very low by yeah. introducing different par training partners. Exactly. And this is, what, this is what class gives you, different training partners. You go into this anxiety point on a very low level all the time and your tolerance goes up and this is in a big part how you get better yeah and that would kind of lead us to one more topic um mental health related you know because that anxiety you know they're kind of like oh, i don't know you know so it, it's it's mental health related so what are some of the like that topic related to the ask a, a black belt podcast that we talked about that maybe people were curious about anything specific related to, for example, I, I didn't know, especially again, I've been here in the US for 24 years, but even when I left and over 20 years ago, there's no talk of mental health. You know what I mean? Like there's no such a thing like, or I'm coming to, especially coming from Brazil like you would never hear the word depression. Like, what do you mean depression? You know, like there's no uh, such a thing at all. And yeah, and eventually I, I met friends of mine sharing certain situations that I, I didn't know of being in a garage, sitting, ready to go to jujitsu, sitting there for 10 minutes and just kind of like got overwhelmed, boom, got back inside. You know, it happens. Mm -hmm. It really happens. And those days are the best days to go. That mm -hmm. when you're done, you're like, dude, I'm glad I, I went. You know what I mean? I won that battle. This is a specific battle I won. It doesn't matter if you got beat up in class, but you leave the class lighter. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm human. I, I do have anxiety like anyone else. People have different levels of anxiety or whatever. There are days that you're not doing too well for whatever reason, and and then you decide to go, and then you leave the school like, man, I feel so much better. You know what I mean? I think the beautiful part about jiu-jitsu, or one of the beautiful things, is the fact that, you know, when we step on the mat, we have to leave everything else behind. And, and you know, our family, our life, our profession, our the struggles, and the, and the happy things, and the bad things, they kind of stay behind us, because we do have to focus on being engaged into this guy who's about to smash me, this girl who's about to choke me. Like there was no, there's minimal room to analyze the other things. And I think oftentimes I do know, not I think, I do know many students say this, like this is my getaway time. This is, this is the, mo I'm glad I came in because this is the moment where I can really, in a way, let it go. I can, not to be stressed about it. That stress will be there no matter what. But this hour, this hour and a half, whatever, this training session is for me. This is not only my physical exercise, but many, many consider jiu-jitsu being more mentally stimulating than physically stimulating. And as a result of it, you know, we are just, like you said, we are just lighter. We, we are so glad we showed up. So, you know, if, if you're ever sitting in a car and you're listening to this, you're sitting in a car and you're dwelling on it, whether you should go, don't even think about it. I, I don't, don't even question that part. As a matter of fact, I often, I just had this conversation with one of my students 
you know, who has extremely busy work schedule and very unpredictable work schedule. You know, he, he was asking me, how do I, how do I make it in? I, I, I'm struggling with this. By the time I go home, I sit down, everything's, and then I don't want to go and blah, 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 blah. We come with a plan where he has a backup gi in his trunk, the <laughs> whole sut in his trunk. And I said, when you feel like this after your work, you don't go home. Talk to your wife, make sure everything is kosher, everything is clean there so we don't get in trouble. But you come to the academy. I would rather for plan. you to I would rather for you to sit 20 minutes in front of the academy or in the waiting area than you go home and sit down on your couch because you know what's gonna happen the moment you do that. It's done, it's over. We're not getting off the couch. So um and 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 you know, weeks later he was like, Oh my goodness, this is such a great idea. You know, so um, it, it was a cool point of reflection where a silly idea like this really converted into, again, ch changing the trajectory of of where, where where he was going or how his success would look like in the future. Yeah, and one of the things that a lot of, again, <clears throat> sometimes I have some people might just starting their, because I, I share, you know, uh, episodes and, and so forth with my my students. So sometimes I may have someone for the first week, oh, let me let me hear. Uh, this year, um, a lot of people come in just thinking, like, oh, I want to learn how to fit myself and get a better shape, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, what really keeps them in, as they stay longer, like the mental, the emotional aspects of mm -hmm. jujitsu, you know what I mean? How they start to notice uh, the little, the little change, the little habits, and and so forth. I had the opportunity I mentioned that I went to Brazil to record a few. Um, a few like a mini doc series with different topics and the mm -hmm. next one that we're finishing editing one right now and starting a new one that is mental health related and talking with this mom uh with this child 11 try to kill himself and all the heavy stuff right and was doing treatment with psychologists and all that kind of stuff like more than 10 sessions blah 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 all that and she got introduced to this social project. And so she started crying. She's talking and she's crying very emotional because of the kid like really changed completely, right? And I asked her like, how long did it take? How many classes were until you start noticing some improvement? And she said like three. Mm -hmm. I'm like three jujitsu classes. And and I, I believe, and that's what I know, just I noticed from the vibe of the place. Yeah. Okay, it was jujitsu. Dude, it could have been golf. Just the vibe of the environment, how they treat everyone well, mm -hmm. you know, the camaraderie, like everything else, like, man, and the coach is so good. Like, dude, this guy could be coaching golf or whatever. You know what I mean? It would make an impact. It just happened that you just got this extra impact, right? Um, but that was amazing to see, like, three days with a with a child you know so that's why one of the the things that we have with the jujitsu tribe is to partner up with like mental health uh, behavior centers and that they already work with someone they have a mentor plus add jujitsu on top of that if it was just jujitsu would be awesome period but in having the, those behavior centers to implement that, okay, there's someone in charge, there's a mentor, and you're doing this physical education activity, part of the program, that is jujitsu, man, you know, so it's it's a, a an incredible opportunity. So with the with the mental health, I mean, 
what is maybe like some, I, I mentioned like a drastic one with a kid. What are some of like maybe may possible story or example that you have of like a, uh, there's so many with it's, related to mental health. It's ridiculous. It, like I literally last week I had a conversation with a parent. Um, we, we have um, um, a 10 year old boy in our class, um, special needs boy, um, you know, and, and, and you, you talk to him, you see him clearly there is, there's obstacles and, and, and a world that he's dealing with, you know, but I remember when he came into the class for the very first time and I was there and I talked to the, the, the dad and the dad is very upfront about it. He, he is like, we, re we refuse to treat him differently. We want him to be as normal as he can be with what he's dealing with. So I would love for him to do it. And his big concern was, I don't know if he's able to do it. There was a big social component that was very disconnected, like, you know, no eye contact and, and very passive behaviors and, and so on, you know, and, and, you know, I, our answer is, we'll try, we are here to help and all this. And he joined the class and, you know, it, and progressively as time went on, you know, you see this changing unfold. And, and then literally last week I approached the dad and we had a little chat right after the class. And, and I said, listen, the change that I see in him, it, it, it is almost unbelievable. It, it is, it, he comes in high-fiving everybody and smiling mm -hmm. and, and, and having good time. And maybe he's unable to perform everything as everybody else. And maybe his progression is not as steep as everybody else, but that's less relevant oh, yeah. to the behavior change that took place in that boy because it like you watch him and if you see that progression over a period of time <clears throat> it's almost unbelievable like it's like i can't believe this is the same child you know and and his dad was extremely appreciative and he says he talks about it all the time he wants to be here he wants to come and he wants to do it he asks him to do it and then obviously i derails like well, what are you starting this and you know <laughs> mm -hmm. so but it, it's it was very refreshing to see and hear and witness stories like this where a simple activity as jiu-jitsu really can change somebody's life even though they might have by far bigger obstacles than what you and i would be experiencing yeah and kind of goes back to what we talk about my interview on on your podcast when you talk about the gain and the gap you know about mm -hmm. that difference that you know for them to like especially a parent in that specific situation be like, man, look at the gain from mm -hmm. day one. Oh, yeah. I mean, not like compared to other kids, oh, this or like, no, man, look at that day one. Look how far he travels so far. And you now him against the, the day one mm -hmm. version of him, you know, and that is a, a good uh, takeaway for, for everyone that, uh, that is listening. Uh, we talk about it in a in a podcast, expand a little bit more on that. You guys can listen to the interview as well, giving a little plug to the interview. But yeah, we talk about that. You know, sometimes you're just comparing yourself too much with other people. So that's awesome. It's awesome for them to to see that. Um, so getting close to the end of the interview, I like it, man. I like it that we talk about a lot of different things. I like the idea that we did with uh, Ask a Black Belt. So we're using the, um, that topic because a lot of the topics come often either for a business owner who is listening, you know, like we're talking about um, even from answering phones to like open mat, what should I do and, and why not? 
And so what are you currently excited about? What's going on? New projects that you guys have? What you got? <laughs> Honestly, I want to slow things down. <laughs> there's so much there's so much going on that, you know. Or if your plate is full, you can always order a bigger plate. No, 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 no. I don't <laughs> I'm I'm known for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's it's you know, Academy is doing phenomenal. Um we are we we are you know, we have a, a lot of interest these days. You know, a lot of people are interested in jujitsu. So we are embracing truly providing the quality service to to the local students who are, you know, in, in our area. Um, and then, you know, podcast is really taking, uh, it, it, I, I don't know if more serious is the, the phrase here, but we, we definitely... More time um, consuming than it was before. Well, yeah, absolutely. No, 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 no doubt about it. Something that started as a as a temporary project really converted into a, a, a small production. And and you know, credit to Gary, you know, he does phenomenal job doing most of the work. I'm just the guy who talks on the podcast. He does all the production and post-production and all the other stuff. So, you know, um, high five to him. But it's just a phenomenal phenomenal platform to hear some of the stories with some of the um you know well-established personalities in in the sport that we all love you know so so and, and then obviously my smaller podcast my smaller the shorter podcast um you know ask a black belt you know specifically focusing on answering questions and documenting some of them really to provide more value to the students so if you scratch your head you're not sure what to do i say check it out it's all out there it's everywhere podcast youtube and all on so um, check it out and hopefully I can impact you in a way. And I always say I'm very responsive when it comes to answering messages. So message me directly on Instagram, particularly I'm very active on there. Um, I'm always engaged. I'm, I'm always available. So um, drop me a line and I'm hope that I can impact your jiu-jitsu in, 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 in even a small way. Beautiful, dude. I'm going to have all the links. So you guys have any question can, can reach out, take a look at the podcast too. Like you said, you know, uh, audio, video, so a lot of information out there. And thank you, man. Appreciate it. Your time. It was fun, relaxing, very good. Thank you for having me as always. Always good chatting with you. And, um, you know, hopefully we get to train together. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. See you all later. Who's? We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.